Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Mike, one of the leaders here at Trinity Life Church, and we're so happy you're with us this morning. I know things are a little, little off, things are a little wonky, uh, everyone's, everyone's rhythms are a bit off, um, but I'm so glad we can keep this rhythm where we can join together in worship, 10.30, Sunday mornings, just to be together and center ourselves around the Word, around prayer, around community, even though it's virtual, and, and, uh, and just point our eyes to Jesus. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're in our Discover Prayer series. And, and guys, uh, we just, as we get started, I just want to recognize that we are in a crisis. There's, there's no, uh, we're not going to help anybody by, by denying that, by, by trying to look over it, by trying to sweep it under the rug. Might as well just acknowledge it. We're in a crisis, and that means we're going to do things a little differently, and, and that things are going to actually change kind of day to day definitely week to week, but they're changing day to day. And so thank you for keeping up with us, for showing us grace in that, and, and for continuing to just be with us as we figure this whole thing out. And I just want to say <clears throat> for our leadership team, church, if you're with us this morning, for your leadership team, guys, encourage them. Uh, yeah, just exhort them, encourage them. Guys, we have been working really hard over the past two weeks um, these guys have put in so much effort, and I just, uh, for, for, for Seth, uh, he is, he's leading his team to, to develop this whole engagement piece for us, and we're, we're working diligently on that. You'll hear, you've, you've heard about that. We're doing high-level stuff and on-the-ground stuff, uh, going through BLGs. Daniel's working with BLGs and Kid City and Send City, and, and we're just trying to figure out how to, how to be with, uh, how to support our parents during this time. Um, and then our youth and our BLGs and push everything through there. Uh, just to note, Missy and I are going to start releasing, we're going to release two videos this week for, for mar- married couples and, and then put a parenting tip on the end there. Just because during this time, you guys are spending a lot more time together and we want to support you and serve you in this time. So watch out for those videos this week. They'll only be about four minutes long each. Um, and we'll send them out <clears throat> twice this week coming up. Uh, but for Jamie, she's working diligently with prayer and connections and, just, and, and our care ministries and just trying to care for people, but also connect people during this, this time when it's just, it's just difficult and it's different. And, and so we're, we're working around the clock to do these things. Uh, Adam has been just, man, he is uh, church <clears throat> without Adam. I mean, he's, he's, he's a jack of all trades. And I know what you're thinking. I just said that, and most of you said that means master of none. And that isn't a bad thing. And I don't think it's true <laughs> either for him. Uh, but that isn't a bad thing. Adam is, Adam is a, a true polymath. He's able to do various things very well. And, I mean, if, if you don't know that term, that's, like, that's Leonardo da, da Vinci. That's... Uh, that's maybe Leonardo DiCaprio too. That's a bunch of different, a bunch of different people in history of polymaths. So Adam's a true one of those, 
And, and guys, for uh, Jonathan on our leadership team, we'd be dead in the water without him at this time. So he leads our creative and communications and has been such a blessing for all of us, has been working nonstop to get all this stuff going. So just encourage them, support them, and, and pray for us as we, as we try to lead us through this crisis, because that's what, what we're trying to do, is lead us through this so that uh, the church can thrive through this time. I was, I was uh, in a webinar this week that Liz sent over um, <clears throat> where a psychologist led a webinar through the crisis of, of psychology. And, and, uh, and he talked about five things. He talked about five things that happen to us in our mental state, emotional, spiritual, physical state, that, that, lead, that happen in a crisis. These five things are, uh, the five things that get affected are connect, one is connectedness, meaning our relationships are different. We gotta figure out a different way to be connected. Two is structure. Guys, your rhythms are off. Uh, we've, we, things are a bit wonky. We've, our, our structure is a bit off. And structure actually frees us. We think structure binds us, but it actually shows us how to operate in, in freedom. I don't have time. That's a whole other sermon in itself. But, but two is structure. Uh, three is identity. And he termed it a little different. I, I put in the identity, the identity uh, word because that's familiar to us at Trinity Life Church, identity in Christ. But... It's in a crisis that you really figure out who you are. And a lot of you guys are learning things about yourself that you don't like. And some of you are learning things about yourself that you're like, wow, I do like how I respond, how I respond in a crisis. It's, it's like being a soldier going on the battlefield. And you can, you can romanticize what it's going to be like. But if you haven't been on the battlefield, you have no idea how you're going to react when people are firing at you when you're on the battlefield, right? So similar thing, this crisis, we're, we're learning who we are. Hopefully we're learning a little bit more about who we are in Christ. That's, that's three identity. Four is control. Guys, in this time, we've, we're realizing how little we can control. I read an article two weeks ago off of BBC that said, that, that, that talked about uh, the scientific study that said, are we even in control of our minds? Ugh, that's, that's a bit scary. But uh, control is another thing. It's, it's what are we in control of? What have we lost control of? For us as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus with us this morning, uh, there's two things. One, uh, as you exercise the image of God in you, you exercise dominion and authority. That's, that's this, this sense of control over what he's given us in creation. And then two, and, and that's not dominion theology. We're not going to go into that, but just to be clear, if you're like, oh, okay, that, no, that's, that's something different. This is just exercising uh, God's image in us. It's Genesis 1.28. Uh, and then two, the other thing is self-control. That's a fruit of the spirit, right? So in this time... Uh, self-control is key. And we're going to talk about that as we go through the psalm this morning. And then the fifth one is, he termed it achievement or, or accomplishment. I, I would say maybe it's more about approval. Approval is something that, that we start to miss. Because essentially, uh, achievement and accomplishment, accomplishment go back to approval. So those are five things that, that start to go a little off in crisis. But I think... That's where the church has answers. That's where the scriptures have answers. Because God is the foundation of all those things for us as followers of Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, 
your, your control, your identity, your structure, your, your approval, uh, your connectedness is all built on the rock who is Christ Jesus. Guys, that is, so as we're going through this crisis, we're kind, of, we're kind of deconstructing a lot of things in our lives, and God is trying to build some things back up into us. And that's the journey of the psalmist this morning as we go from 42 to 43. Jamie did an amazing job last week <clears throat> taking us through Psalm 42 and talking about a song of lament. But when we add 43 onto it, which we're going to do this morning, this is kind of the second part of, from last week, uh, we... What we do is we take that song of lament and it transforms into a song of victory. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we walk through this psalm. Let's, let's go to the scriptures. Beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> and, and just to note, uh, the, sub, the, the subtitles or the, the subscripts, whatever they're called in here, I can't remember the actual term, where it says, to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Those are actually in the original text. Uh, so they're part of the inspired text. So you see here, it's, it's by the sons of Korah, the psalmist. So I'm going to use, uh, but instead of using they, I'm going to use the pronoun he as, we, as I reference the psalmist through this, just for, just for simplic- simplicity's sake. All right, verse, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Guys, the psalmist here is declaring these truths. And he's saying, as a deer pants, and that word there is, is this, has this connotation of exhaustion. What is your soul panting for this morning? What is your soul thirsting for? And, and here he is in a sense of exhaustion, right? Because that's, that's when animals pant, right? When, when a dog pants, it's exhausted, it needs water. And so that's the, that's the imagery the, the psalmist is giving us this morning is, is that he's, he's in a state of exhaustion. He's overwhelmed. Things are... Things are wonky. Things are different. He's in a crisis. He doesn't feel connected anymore. His identity is off, right? He's lost his structure. He feels like he has no control, right? And, and his approval, where is it? He doesn't know. He, all he knows is he wants that to be true, but it isn't. So the psalm starts out this way, but it's actually not true for the psalmist yet. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for you, God. But then he says, this, he says, when shall I come and appear, and appear before God? When will that happen? I'm over here, and I'm, I'm just stuck over here in the fetal position, overwhelmed, exhausted. I don't know what to do. And, he's, and he asks himself this question. He says, when am I going to just appear before God? When will I come and do this? What is it going to take for me to, to do this? And you see here in verse 3, it says, It's my tears that have been my food. Day and night, all day, all night, his tears have been his sustenance. His tears have been what he's consuming. His tears have been what he's ingesting. His tears have been what he's looked for, for strength and for life. But this is what his tears say to him 
all day long, they say, where is your God? Where is he? Where's your God? His, his own tears are taunting him. His own tears are saying, where is your God? Where is he? I don't see him. And, and remember, these five things, they're all off for the psalmist. He's in a crisis. And all he's doing is ingesting his tears. And guys, not all tears are bad tears. Okay, so you can, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can, just to be clear, you can be mournful, you can be in sorrow, and you can do that in hope. And you can do it in a very beautiful way where your hope is founded in God. And hope in the scriptures is not a doubtful uncertainty. It is a certainty. It is hope founded on Christ Jesus. And, and, and so... Uh, tears can be a good thing. It's, it's healthy to mourn. It's healthy to be sorrowful in a hope, in a hope-filled way. That doesn't mean you, hope doesn't mean you're you're joyous necessarily and you're, and you're exuberant, but but it means you are founded on Jesus Christ and, and His certainty. But here in Psalm 42, we see His tears are negative. It's just full of negativity because His tears taunt Him and say, "Where's your God?" So if your tears are doing that for you this morning. That's unhealthy. That's negative. That's dwelling in the darkness, as Luke says. That's that's having death be your shade, as he says. It's your comfort. It's your your shadow. It brings you you comfort. And and that's not where we're supposed to be. Your your tears uh, can be healthy, but when they taunt you and say, where's your God, and keep you in negativity and dwelling in the darkness, that is not where God wants you to be. Uh, When Emerson was four... My daughter, who's almost 10 now, when she was four, uh, she had a friend over at the house, and he was walking through the kitchen, and he sees the refrigerator door open, and, <laughs> and Emerson is knelt down with one of the, with one of the drawers open, and uh, with the refrigerator door kind of enclosing her, and, and he, he walks past and he looks in there, and Emerson has a a ball of mozzarella cheese that is still covered in plastic. It has, it's unopened. And she's biting it. And my friend's like, what are you doing? And, and she looks up. She kind of looks up at him like, I'm going to turn, like, eh. you know, like she looks up and she says, I'm a raccoon. I eat trash. And he just is like, what in the world? And he just kind of walks off. Um, uh, maybe he told her to put it away. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, but um, guys, that's us right now. We're raccoons, and so many of us are consuming trash. I mean, think about this. You know, here the psalmist, his, his negative tears have been his food. How many of you guys, your food for the past week, two weeks, has been the negativity of social media and the news? And you're just consuming it, and you're consuming it, and it's causing you restless sleep. It's causing you to be negative towards those you're living with right now. It's, it's causing you to have, to have detrimental thoughts. It's, it's causing your mental state to go down and your emotional state to go down. And, and you're, you're just consuming this negativity. And don't get me wrong, we need to know what's going on, but have some structure around it, right? That crisis has taken out your structure. And guys, you need to form a new structure, right, so that you can operate in that. You, you need to form... 
You need to you need form some new controls, right? Some self-control, right? Bring those two things back into into how you consume the news. For some of you guys, your your uh, the the things that you're consuming that are trash, that are bad, uh, maybe news, social media, but. But for some of you guys, you have so much time on your hands now and you're online so much that you're just consumed with pornography now. That what you're doing is, is going to something that's going to make you feel something. And it's fleeting and that makes you feel like crap. And so if you're consuming that, guys, that is killing you. And I don't need to go into the details, but, but guys, pornography rates have gone way up during this time. And the types of pornography have gone way up. It's, it's, it's actually really sick, and it's really sickening, because what you're doing is you are just killing yourself. And so if that's you this morning, guys, don't consume the death. Choose life. Choose to, to uh, get those five things back in order, and, and choose life. Choose what's going what's gonna, to uh, bring you back up, not continue to keep you down. And as we go through the psalm, we're going to see that's, that's what he does. So guys, you weren't meant to be that. You weren't meant to consume trash. It's just going to lead to more negativity. So let's, let's see how we do this, how the psalmist does this. So he says, my tears have been my food. Where's your God? Verse 4. And it's all... And, and, Guys, picture this as, as we go through this, because he says, these things I remember. So this is like, a, like, think of a movie scene. He's taken us through his journey here. This is like a movie scene where you have two people dying. Or, or sorry, where you have two people and one person's dying, and the other person's sitting there with, with, um, with uh, their head in their lap. Right? This is the picture I get when I read this. It's almost like God is sitting there, and this person's head is in, the, is in God's lap. And the person dying because of the tears and the negativity and all that they're consuming is, is saying, oh, I remember when. These things I remember. And it's like the last dying moments, right, of exhaustion, of being overwhelmed. And he's like, oh, I remember when we used to do this. Do you remember that, God? Like, I remember when it used to be like this. Do you remember that? And he says, I remember this as I pour out my soul. He says, this is what I remember. How I would go with the throng. The throng being the multitude, the community of faith, the church. Because he, the last thing he remembers is when he would be with the church. And he says the multitude. So we're not talking about small group here. We're talking about the large gathering. We're talking about what we're doing right now that we're kind of missing being with each other. This is what he's talking about. And guys, we've never been a church that's Sunday morning centric. Right? This isn't all about who we are. We, we work with our city, we're, we're in small groups, but that doesn't mean this is any less important. This is so significant for the life of our church. And some of you guys, you, you call Trinity Life Church your home church, and you're only, you're only on a Sunday morning gathering once a month. Guys, that's 12 times of the year. That's less than 25% of the year, of the Sundays of the year. And, and, you, and, and that's like, uh, and at the end of his life, he's like, ah. Oh, I remember those times, God. I remember those times with the multitude. I remember those times with the community of faith. I remember those times when we did what? When he did two things. When I led them in procession to the house of God. Man, 
Because he used to be a leader in the church. He used to lead other people to this. And he's like, oh, I remember when I used to be that way. And now look at me. Now look at me. I'm just sitting here in my tears, consuming my negativity. And then he says, and I used to lead them in glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. I used to do that. And now look at me. I'm here. And you get the sense that he's dying, that he's exhausted, that he's just overwhelmed, and he says this in verse 5, and this refrain is repeated three times over the next 11 verses. He says, why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? And this is him crying out of exhaustion, right? And he says these words, these truths. He says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. But when he says it, you get this feeling that that he's just about to die, that he's at the end of his rope, that he's so overwhelmed. This is all, these are like his last words. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This morning, guys, that's the truth that God wants to give our church. So we've been giving through this series a practical tip of prayer and, and a, uh, new, uh, a new line for a new song in our church that God is helping us discover, and this is it. This is the line. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And the practical prayer tip is this, guys. It's when you pray, sometimes you don't know what to say, right? And you got nothing. And maybe in this time, in this crisis time, you have nothing to say to God. I encourage you to preach back the scriptures to God. Just pray the scriptures. That's the practical prayer tip this morning. Pray the scripture back to God, whether you feel it or not, whether you believe it or not, because when you do, it will transform you and set you free. It will. So let's say it together, together actually. So if you're by yourself, say it out loud. If you're with somebody, take turns saying it to one another or say it simultaneously to one another, and let's do that now. So say, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That started the transformation in you this morning. That started setting you free. The door is cracked, the door is open. We see that in the psalmist because now he, it's like he rises up, guys. It's like he says that and he was dying and then he just rises up a bit. Because he says, my soul is cast down within me. It's the first time He's recognized that, and he's declared it, and he's like looking over it. You remember, you're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus, right? Colossians 3, that's your truth this morning. So you can look down on your problems, look over it. We can look over this crisis, we can get above it, and we can say, soul, yeah, you're cast down within me. Therefore, because of that, I remember you, God. I remember you. But look here. He says, I remember you in the wilderness. Guys, the, God didn't come and just pluck him out and put him in the, in the oasis. He's in the land of Jordan, of Hermon, Mount Mazar. Those are wilderness landmarks. He's in the wilderness. Deep calls to deep. Waterfalls, breakers of your waves, they've gone over me. He hasn't gone out of the overwhelming state and stage and problem. He's still in the crisis. And a lot, of, a lot of us want God to pluck us out of the crisis and put us back in a comfortability. But God doesn't work like that. 
Not, not most of the time anyways. Because he wants us to, he wants to lead us through it. He's rooted something out of the psalmist here, and now he's going to do his work of building something back up. And he wants to do that in you this morning. So, so he's going to lead us through the wilderness. He's going to lead us through these lands. And, and then look, and, and guys, actually before I get to verse, verse 8, the reason God wants to do that is, is a passage like Romans 5. It's Paul saying, I rejoice in my sufferings. Why? Why would Paul say I rejoice in my sufferings? Well, because suffering leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to hope. Or sorry, perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love is in our hearts through the power of the spirit that dwells in us, Paul says. Oh, man, let's go, guys. Let's go. This is, yes, you're overwhelmed right now. You're in a crisis. But hope in God. You shall again praise him, your salvation, and your God. Let's go. And the the psalmist, it's like he gets up and he's ready to run, guys. Verse 8, he says, by day the Lord, and we see Lord there in all caps in your your Bible. It means Yahweh, God's personal name that he gave in Exodus chapter 3. So this is the first time that the psalmist in eight verses is expressing renewed intimacy, transformation, and freedom with the Lord. He's like, I know you. You are my Lord, and you are so personally there with me through everything. And he says, I consume your steadfast love now. He's exchanged his food, guys. He's transformed because by day and by night, he was consuming tears. But now by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. That's a particular Hebrew word, chesed, that is God's never-ending, perfect, always uh, chasing after us type love. And at night, his song is with me. So now instead of his tears, he's he, instead of his tears, he's ingesting, consuming, putting in him God's steadfast love and God's song of victory. Oh man. And he's singing the song of victory in the midst of the battle, guys. In the midst of the wilderness, he's singing that song. When else are you gonna sing it? Like that's gonna get you through so that you can actually sing it at the end when, when, we, when we're victorious. So he starts singing, he says, that's my prayer. And he says this, he says, this is it. I say to God, my rock. And then he doubts. <laughs> Remember, he's still in the midst of the battle. He says, why have you forgotten me? Guys, that's okay. That's gonna happen in the battle sometimes. We're gonna say, yes, God, you're my rock. And then, oh, God, why, why have you forgotten me? And then it's almost, like he says here, he says, why do I go on mourning? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? So it's almost like he was questioning God, and now he's questioning himself. He's like, why am I doing this? Why do I keep on doing this? Why do I keep on going back to this? Why do I keep on going on mourning? It's like he tried to return to his tears, and he, now he's like, no, I'm not that person anymore. God is my rock. In verse 10, as with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, check it. The, the, the adversaries have gone from internal to external. His tears aren't the ones who are taunting him anymore. Who's saying, where is your God now? It's those who are his, his adversaries outside, externally. Now they're taunting him. Guys, that's a big shift. It's hard to have victory when your own thoughts are taunting you. 
and it's, it's happening internally. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, 1 Corinthians 2 is your truth. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. So think on things that are above. So focus on things that are true, honorable, noble, praiseworthy of excellence. Because that is our truth this morning if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, that's the truth we're welcoming you into that can be yours in Christ Jesus this morning. And so it's external now. And then in verse 11, he repeats the, he repeats the refrain. Now, it's not completely victorious yet, but there's an accusatory tone to his soul. He says, verse 11, why are you cast down on my soul? It's like he's accusing his soul. He's like, why are you still mourning? Soul, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? And he says this again. This is our truth. Let's say it together. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Guys, that's our truth this morning. And then he says, Verse 43, verse 1, or cha- sorry, chapter 43, verse 1, Psalm 43, verse, verse 1, vindicate me, O God. Guys, he's, he's showing complete and utter dependence on God. That's the switch in this verse. We haven't seen this quite yet, right? This verse, he's taking this through his journey, and now his journey is dependence on God. Guys, he's starting to get back those five things that he lost in his crisis. Connectedness, structure, control, identity, and approval. Those are all founded in God for him. He says, vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. And this verse 2 here, guys, is is basically repetition of verse 9. So I won't explain. I'm just going to read it. Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And here's the victory. This is the gospel, guys. This is all gospel here. Verse three and four, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me out of the darkness. Let them bring me to your holy hill. Guys, that's the church. I don't have time to theologically explain all that, but go to Isaiah to, to see that. This is the church. This is God's dwelling. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's um, the, where God's temple is, which is that's who we are now as followers of Jesus. Then I will go to the altar of God in verse four. To God, my exceeding joy, and I'll praise you with a lyre. Oh, my, oh God, my God. The lyre is an element of spiritual warfare. Again, I don't have time to go into all this, but uh, this is David playing the lyre for Saul. Um, that, that should remind you of, of when he does that in order for the evil spirits that, that come upon Saul to flee. And, and he sings praises. And so we have here, think Jesus Right, this is the gospel. This is, this is Messiah right here. This is send out your light, send out the Messiah, send out Jesus, send out your truth, send out Jesus. Let Jesus lead you. He's our leader. He's your light. He's your truth. He is your holy hill. He's made us the temple of the Holy Spirit where we've become the dwelling place of God. And when I say we, I mean the church collectively, but also each of us individually has the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And Jesus laid himself down on the altar of God in verse four, and he is our exceeding joy. He came to give us the abundant life. Because that's what we have in Christ Jesus. And he's our warrior, He's fighting for you today. He's fighting for the church. This crisis, guys, he's been above it since the beginning. And he's calling us as the church to rise above it and to say, we're not gonna die in this and we're not gonna merely survive. 
we are going to thrive through this. And church, for your leadership team, that's where we're leading you. We're, we want our church to thrive through this because, guys, there's so many opportunities around us for our church to be a witness, to be salt and light, to be true, to be people's exceeding joy, to point them to Jesus in verses three and four. And so now that last refrain is one of victory when the psalmist says it. He says, why are you cast down on my soul? And he's saying, you weren't meant for this. That's not you. That is never gonna be you again. Why are you in turmoil within me? You were created for something better than that soul. You were created for something more than that soul. You are a son of God's soul. He's preaching these truths, and he says, the last thing, let's say it together again. Say it to your neighbor. Say it out loud right now. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are our Lord, that you are our rock, that you are our light, our truth, our exceeding joy. You are our holy hill. You've made us the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And, and we say amen to all those things. And we say we are gonna sing a song of victory today because you are victorious. We are more than conquerors in you, Christ Jesus. You are our God. You are our everything. You are our very life. And air that we breathe, we love you, Jesus. And we worship you this morning in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon. Thank you.